coming to you live from Canada. Here comes your game-changing, life-transforming turning point moment. <clears throat> yes, this is the sign you've been looking for. You're listening to Engage City Church. Powered by hope, not hype. Online at engagechurch.ca. Good afternoon. So good to be with you. Thank you, Pastor Brett. I want to say something about these little boys, these little Esslinger boys. They are party animals. Did anybody see them last night at that reception? They just partied till I don't know what time, but they are party animals. I, uh, I love these little ones. I'm a Grammy to a little girl named Charlie and a little boy named London. And uh, London runs into the auditorium every week screaming, I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. And that's where he thinks he needs to go, to see Jesus. But we all know where he really is, right? Right here. Anyway, thank you so much, Pastor Brett and Des. We, we love your pastor so much. I say, how do you get a quadruple threat with these people? I mean, these people can sing, they can play, they can preach, they can do what else? Other things, other things as well. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> they can do a lot of things. You are blessed and highly favored. So thank you so much for having us. We, uh, we really appreciate it. All right, so what I'm going to do this afternoon is tell you a big fish story. I don't know if divine whale is behind me, but that's what we're talking about today. Don't judge me yet. It might not have been a whale, but it was a big enough fish to be a whale. So if that's okay with you, I'm going to call it a whale today, okay? So I'm going to tell you a big fish story. Now, what I find most attractive about the Bible is its raw realism. I mean, I don't know about you, but I am astounded at the stories that are in the Bible. When God paints portraits of his servants, he doesn't use an airbrush. I mean, he doesn't airbrush all the wrinkles away and the blemishes. He just goes straight for it, right? So when you think about that, listen to this. Moses was a murderer. David was an adulterer. Jonah was a proud and stubborn prophet. Jacob had deceitful ways. Abraham lied. Peter wavered as to whether he even knew Jesus or not. And a lot of these people are listed in the heroes of faith in the book of Hebrews. How does that happen? How does that even happen? Well, what we see here is that God doesn't only work through people who have it all together. Can I get an amen? He uses ordinary people like you and me to do extraordinary things. And I love him. I love him because of that. I love him. Today we're going to talk about the will of God. You know, that thing that flies out of the air gift wrap to you and me? I don't know about you, but for many, many years, I thought that the will of God was flying from heaven like a bird and dropping a gift into my lap. I've come to find out that that is not the truth, right? So let's see what it is. Normally, if we think something is from God, we figure it's going to work out, yes? 
It's going to work out. How can something be of God and fail? How can it, right? Have you ever done something that you were convinced God was telling you to do, and then all hell broke loose? Now, I got to tell you, 17 years ago, we started One Community Church. And, uh, you know, we were coming from America. I am a Native American, Native New York City girl, so don't judge me either. I might have an accent during this message. Um, but we got to the border, and they welcomed us in, and we were sure God had spoken to us, you know, go to Hamilton, start a work. You know, we, were, we had no idea what we were doing, but that's okay. He was going to teach us along the way. So the border guard welcomed us in. I think we got, I don't know if it was like one month in that we were starting the church and all hell broke loose. Oh my God, like seriously? I left my career. We left, you know, our daughter's friends in the States. We left, like we left something good as far as we were concerned. To come to this, Really? Are you kidding me? But how many understand when God speaks, we listen? We listen. We must listen because he always has the best for us in the long run. So all hell's breaking loose. Here's the conversation in my head, maybe not in yours. God, I thought this was you. I got a confirmation, Lord. I know I got a confirmation. I thought this job was you. I thought this friendship was you. God, I thought I heard from you. Now I don't even know if it's you or not. Now I'm completely confused, right? How can something in the will of God go so wrong? Someone said it this way. The will of God is not sent to please you, but to pursue you so that we can become like him and fulfill what he has in his plan for, for your life. But there's no heavenly guarantee that the will of God has no problems or pain associated with it. Now, if you'll stay with me here, actually God's will will get you in all kinds of trouble. All right? I think God's will gets us in more trouble than we do ourselves. All right? What do, what do I mean by that? you got to stay with me because this might sound a little heretical, but it's not. Okay? Jesus, being led by the Spirit, is led out into the wilderness for 40 days and nights and has a face-to-face -face confrontation with the devil. But didn't that scripture read that he was led by the Spirit? He was led by the Spirit to have a face-to-face -face confrontation with the devil? That's what the Bible says. That's what it says. Can the devil just get in Jesus' face like that? Yes, he can. Yes, he can. Daniel is praying. I mean, this guy is working for the king. He's praying. He's praying to God. You would think with all that prayer three times a day that he would get saved from trouble. He winds up in the lion's den. How does that happen? How does somebody who's so good and somebody who's in the will of God wind up almost getting eaten by lions? He didn't almost get eaten, though. You know, God kept the mouths of those lions shut.
because he is Lord of everything. Amen? So let's see what our fish tale has to tell us today, all right? We're in Jonah, and we're going to read, okay? A message from the Lord came to Jonah. He was the son of Amittai. The Lord said, go to the great city of Nineveh, preach against it. The sins of its people have come to my attention. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. He headed for Tarshish, so we went down to the port of Joppa. There he found a ship that was going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went on board. Then he sailed for Tarshish. He was running away from the Lord. Why would he run? Why would God say, go to the city, and he would run? First of all, if you knew anything about the people in Nineveh, they were Assyrians, and they were brutal, cruel, violent, nasty people. All right? They were the kind of people that would conquer you and then enslave you. They were just so mean. And uh, they had a reputation of being cruel and ferocious. Now, I don't know about you, but if God said, go to that place, and I knew all of that about those people, I might take a ship to a different place, too. You know what I'm saying? So the other thing is that he was afraid that he would get attacked and killed. I mean, these people were enemies of Israel. So here comes a prophet from Israel to preach to them, and uh, I'm sure he was afraid. Secondly, he was a bigot, and he wanted those people to be judged by God. It's like you don't deserve to be saved. You deserve to be judged. So he didn't want to go. He just didn't want to go. Why did he choose Tarshish to go to instead of Nineveh? Well, because this city <laughs> was on the opposite side of the earth. You know, when you're running from God, you don't go to the next town. You literally better go across to the other side of the earth. And that's where Tarshish was. It was literally the opposite end of the earth, right? Jonah wanted to get as far away from the presence of God as he could. What he didn't remember was Psalm 139 that says this, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there too. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. There is no place for us to go to escape the presence of God. No place. Now, here's what happened. So Jonah's trying to run away. He's on this boat, and it says in verse 4, But the Lord sent a strong wind over the Mediterranean Sea. A wild storm came up. Not any storm. A wild storm. It was so wild that the ship was in danger of breaking apart. All of the sailors were afraid. Each one cried out to his own God for help. They threw the ship's contents into the sea. They were trying to make the ship lighter, but Jonah had gone below deck. There he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went down to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God to help. Maybe he'll pay attention to what's happening to us and we won't die. The sailors said to one another, come, let's cast lots to find out who's to blame for getting us into all this trouble. Can you imagine, can you imagine 
people saying, let's find out who got us in all this trouble. Say at work, all right? You're at work and something horrible happens and you're the only Christian on your job. And they go through all the rigmarole of finding out who it is and it's you, the only believer. How would you feel? You would just be a mess. I would be a wreck. I'd be like, what? You know, just trying to get out of it. So what they did was they cast lots, and it came up to Jonah was the fault for all this storm. So they found out he was running away from God, and they were terrified, terrified. How could you do a thing like that? So the sea's getting rougher and rougher, and he, they said to him, what should we do to stop this storm so we all don't die, right? He said, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Well, now you're going to be in real trouble if you touch God's son and judge him maybe for something that he didn't do, right? So they are terrified. So they take him, they throw him in, and while they're throwing him in, they're praying, Lord, please don't let us die for taking this man's life. Smart people. After all... He might not be guilty of doing anything wrong, so please don't hold us accountable for killing him, Lord. So they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the stormy sea became calm. Lord Jesus, can you imagine this scene? Then what they did, the sailors actually had got great respect for the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to him and made promises to him. So here he is. They take the believer who has the worst testimony in the world, okay? Like here's this guy, this Christian, who's completely disobedient to God. They throw him overboard, and then they start praying to his God. Lord, we promise, you know, we're making promises. We're doing sacrifices to you. So they feared God even in this stubborn, proud prophet's disobedience. Do you see how God is in control no matter what's going on? He is in complete control, and I love that about him. I love that about him. Now Jonah's out there in these dark waters of the sea left to die for his disobedience, and God provides. How does God provide? Let's see what he does. Well, does he provide a lifeboat? No. Does he provide the Coast Guard to come and save him? No. Or how about a passing ship? No. What does he provide? A fish. A fish? A big fish. Let's call this big fish a whale. Now, it doesn't say that, but I'm guessing that it was a whale because it was really big. And it says in verse 17... The Lord sent a huge fish to swallow Jonah. This fish swallowed Jonah, and he was inside the belly of this whale for three days and three nights. So here we have it, the prodigal prophet. You heard of the prodigal son? This is the prodigal prophet. God sends this huge fish to swallow him. He's trying to run. He's trying to run away from God, his plan, run away from God trying to save these people. Uh, 
these people that God was sending him to, just in case you didn't know, this is an FYI, these people worshipped idols and worshipped a god called Dagon. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a picture of Dagon, but Dagon is half fish, half man. He's like a merman, okay? That's what this god is. Dagon is a merman, right? So God brought the storm. He brought a fish. He brought that whale, not to destroy Jonah, but to preserve him. This divine fish was prepared not to kill Jonah, but to preserve him. I got to tell you, nobody writes the script like God. He is absolutely amazing. Nobody tells a story like God does. So here we have Jonah swimming around in the whale's belly. Can you imagine it? What a place to start. He's sloshing around in the seaweed and the juices and the gases of this monster's stomach, looking for a match so he could see where he's going. No match. But what he did do was he took a long, honest look at his short, dishonest life. And what he started to do was yell and plead for mercy from God. He started reciting the Psalms. God, you know, you, you saved me from here. Now he remembers the Psalms. He didn't remember it earlier, but now that he's in this fish, he remembers, right? And so he promised the Lord that he'd get back on track. I'm going to do what you want me to do, I promise. Anybody ever promise God when catastrophe comes? Come on. I don't know if I'm the only one here. I promise you I'll never do that again. Yeah, right. <laughs> now, here's what happens. He's in that fish. In verse 10, it says, the Lord gave the fish a command. Did you not know that God spoke whale? God speaks whale. I'm like, he commanded that fish, and that fish vomited Jonah up on the beach right at the right time. I'm like, wow. All of a sudden, this fish had an urge to barf. And guess where he barfed? Take a wild guess. Very close to Nineveh. It's like you're going to try to escape God, but he will find you. I promise he will find you. So now let's picture this. First of all, Here's what I want to say. I'm thinking nobody felt more sick than this whale having Jonah in, and that's why he had to barf. You thought Jonah felt sick being in there? The whale felt sicker having this man of God covered up and in the belly of, of the body of this thing. So here we have Jonah laying on the beach. He's hairless. He's covered in whale saliva. He smelled funky. He looked funky. He was just funky. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I'm thinking that when the whale barfed him up on the shore, that people saw that. If there were people hanging out on the beach, I don't know about you, but I would literally freak out of my mind if some fish vomited up some man and he was still living. He was still living, right? 
So now Jonah doesn't have a choice, or maybe he did, but I, I wouldn't have a choice after that. I'll tell you why. I'd be running to where God called me, right? By the way, I'll tell you a little story. So I was in Bible college in the States, and uh, there were things happening at the college, and I was kind of in leadership at the college of my class. And, and uh, I'm like, I've had enough. I'm getting out of here. I went in as an older student and had to deal with um, you know, a lot of silly things. And I'm like, I, what am I doing here? I'm getting out of here. So I was getting ready to go home. And uh, I felt like the Lord said, where are you going? And uh, I said, well, I'm going home. And he said, do you want me to rename you Jonah? And I'm like, uh, no. And the spirit of God was really dealing with my heart about that. Can I just tell you, I went to mail time because mail was like a big deal. At that time, in those years, we prayed in our laundry money. You know, the quarters and the dimes like stuck on the letter so you could do your laundry. I don't know. Maybe you guys have lots of money. I didn't. So I was waiting for that letter to come every week with the quarters and dimes taped to the mail. And so the mail came, and the package was larger than usual. And I was like, what is, the, what is in here? That's amazing. Only it came from the kids' church in my church back home. And I was like, wow, what is this? So I start opening it up. It is a wall-size painted story of Jonah that the kids did in kids' church last week. I was like, okay, Lord, I get it. I get it. I get it. I posted that thing on my wall, on my bunk, and didn't go anywhere. Like, I understood that God was speaking to me. And no, I did not want to get swallowed by a fish at that point. So do you see how God works? He can let you know what's happening really easily. Okay. So here's, here's Jonah's here again. If Jonah went as a prophet from Israel, they would have killed him in 30 seconds. Okay? They were enemies of his people. And uh, this whale being a divine experience from God, now Nineveh would be able to hear from him. You say, really? I believe that this experience turned Jonah into the man that Nineveh could receive. And a lot of times we have no clue of the circumstances that we're in because we have tunnel vision and we only think that our own way works. But folks, God's way is the best way. So God was trying to get these people's attention. He was trying to save them. So they were asking him, what happened to you? You smell funky. You look funky. What happened to you? So Jonah started telling him the story that he was disobedient to God. They threw him overboard. A whale swallowed him and threw him up on the shore. And that God was calling him to give them a message. So he's wandering around Nineveh, and they're asking him what he's doing there, and he starts telling them the story. Really, God wants you to give us a message? What is it? In 40 days, you will be destroyed if you don't repent. You know, 
at that point, just the sight of this guy would scare the Jesus out of you. You know what I'm saying? Like seriously, right? Now, I want you to remember that their God, one of their gods was Dagon, a fish god, a merman. I got to tell you, I got to tell you, God knows how to do it. He got barfed up by a fish. They are sure, even though they're completely freaked out, they are sure that Dagon sent this guy to tell them. And, and so they could receive him. God is incredible. He is so incredible. He is just amazing. You know, so they're thinking, Dagon came to warn us we're going to be destroyed. Okay, you could think that, right? Jonah was the perfect messenger for these people. His experience in that fish was perfect. God is so big and so great. And this is where I want to bring in the good experiences and the bad ones are all in the plan of God. They're all in the plan of God. So listen to this. He chose a man with a capacity to rebel. He chose a man with the capacity to rebel so he could get thrown overboard, so he could get swallowed by a fish, so he would be ready to go to Nineveh and see that city come to Christ. So he made Jonah a usable instrument to reach those people. You know, I've been living for Jesus for, I don't know, 30-some-odd years. He is... So exciting and so amazing. And I got to tell you, if you don't know him, you will love him because he is just incredible. He is incredible. And he's not trying to hide from you folks. He's trying to make himself known to you every day of your life, not just on Sunday when you come to engage, but every day of your life. He wants to be in your life making himself real. So the second time comes around, Jonah goes, he obeys the Lord, and guess what happens? <laughs> guess what happens? This is what it says. The king, when he heard Jonah's message, got up from his throne, took off his royal robes, put on black, and sat in ashes, and then commanded every person and every animal to fast. It was a forced fast. Do not eat. God is visiting us. We want to repent from our evil and from our violence and become new people. Can you imagine? Not only the people, but if you have a dog, your dog wouldn't be eating for that time that they were fasting, everybody fasted, and there was revival. There was revival in this evil city. There was revival. Every person, not one person left out, not one kitty left out. Everybody repented. Revival. That's how God does things. And that's how, that's the big God that we serve. That's how he does things. You know, sometimes rebellion, it, it, it's bad. It can cause a limp in our life, right? 
But the Lord works with that. I got to tell you, he has divine circumstances planned to get us back on track. Nobody is too far from him. We think the belly of the fish was a big problem, but that fish was, was prepared to save Jonah. It was a way of salvation for Jonah. You know, what situation are you in today? What hurt or pain is paralyzing you or limiting you from doing what God wants you to do? See, God knows what's ahead of you. The thing is, we have to trust him, right? And I mean, Jonah had a huge attitude problem. If you read the rest of the story, you're going to see that after this whole city was saved, he still had an attitude. Oh, I don't, you know, I don't want to. You know, he just had an attitude problem, and God provided for him. And, you know, this story seems like it's about God saving the city of Nineveh, and that was huge because they were so evil, God saved them. But it was also about caring about his prophet. He cared about him so much. And you see through this, this is what you see, that in this man's life, rebellion was actually a catalyst to catapult him into divine blessing. And... Uh, this is what I want to help us see this morning. It's not just your friends who helped you. Your enemies help you as well. It's not just the people who lied to you or betrayed you or a brother with a big attitude. That was the problem. They actually helped us. It wasn't that family member that raised you and didn't help you. But those who were in opposition to you actually helped you too and helped me. And I'll tell you what, when that became real to me, when I understood that my enemies were tools in God's hands, what freedom came? What freedom came into my life? We need to send them all thank you notes. Thank you. Hey, thank you. You might think you did something evil, but God meant it for good. And that is always, always, always how it goes. You know, and if you were extra disappointed, God has something extra extraordinary for you, for your life, and for the will of God for you. See, the struggle is not the hurt, the pain, the loneliness. The struggle is that we don't trust him. We need to fight back through the hardship, through the storm. You see, Jesus did everything that needs to be done so that we could be and do all that God's called us to do. There are worlds of people waiting out there. Nineveh is out there just waiting to hear your big fish story. Are you willing to tell it? Are you willing to share it? Are you willing to love people enough and care enough to do what God's called you to do? I want to remind us that in our places of influence, which is our jobs, the grocery store, our neighborhoods, let's remember that first and foremost, the cause of Christ is first. Not making a paycheck, 
but living for Christ, being Christ in that influential situation. Next, do a great job so they can see your life and praise your God. So this morning, I just would like to pray for you if you don't mind. If you're here and you're saying, you know what, I've never seen it this way and I wanna be changed. I wanna send thank you cards to my enemies, to those that have hurt me. I wanna really release that. I wanna be free from bitterness, free from disappointment, free from those things that, that have limited me and held me back. If that's you today, can I just ask you to stand in here? Can you stand up if that's you? Come on, don't be shy. Listen, you're taking a step of obedience. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you so much. Okay, for all of us, can we stretch our hands towards these people? Father, we love you so much this morning. God, we thank you that you are greater than any storm. You are greater than any fish that tries to swallow us up, God. You are greater than any pain, any suffering, any loneliness, any hurt, God. You are greater. And Lord, I speak and declare this morning that you would free these people from the things that limit them, the things that hold them back, the things that try to make them not trust you. Lord, you are trustworthy. You are trustworthy. Bless these people. Bless this city. Bless this province, oh God. May revival break out all over the place, Lord, as your spirit moves, oh God. God, I thank you that there is nothing impossible with you. God, I pray for the leadership of this church. Lord, that you would release them into a greater anointing, into a greater place in you, Lord. Give them ideas. Give them people. Give them influence that they've never experienced before. God, bless this church with your presence. In Jesus' name, we thank you. been listening to the Engage Life powered by Engage City Church. If you like what you heard, check out engagechurch.ca.